today's episode is an alternate reality where it's like Buffy, but it's not Buffy. Yeah, or it is Buffy, but it's not like Buffy. Yeah, it's wrong, Buffy. It's it's yeah, it's like the the other world. So um, we decided just to kind of break up the two series, I guess. Um, n- neither of us have ever seen the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie before. Which is wild that you've not seen it, because you've, like, read the Buffy the Vampire Slayer books. Yeah, but but the original movie, like, it's almost because I was a fan that I never mm. watched the movie, because I, I had heard and I was aware that it was, like, totally... You know, totally different story, totally different like style, totally different everything. I heard that it, I heard that it was bad, which I don't know why I heard that. Um, and yeah, I was just like, no, I'm a purist. I'm just like yeah. SMG and onwards. Like that, that was Buffy to me. Do you know? Mm. Um, and I never. And then I remember there was a VHS place like to rent like uh, you know tapes at home, and it did have Buffy the Vampire Slayer there. But any thing that we rented back at that time used to have to be a bit of a democracy like used to be like yeah Owen would have to agree that it was a movie he wanted to watch as well too and he didn't want to watch it so then it didn't and then then I just sort of like okay fine you know I don't I don't need to see this and yeah uh no I have I can say that so this is the 1992 so this was five years before real Buffy right yeah yeah it was actually and am I right in thinking that Joss Whedon was one of the writers, but not like there are there are other writers on it as well, and he didn't really like it. So he was the creator of the concept. Okay. Uh, and I think he was he wrote it possibly, but then you know it got changed loads by the studio and by the directors and stuff because they wanted it to be a certain way, and then apparently he walked off. Oh right, I didn't realize. Okay, he, he uh, the story is that he walked off kind of like halfway through the filming and just kind of was like, "This isn't my thing" or whatever. And the director was, I think, um, maybe Fran Rubel Kazoo or something like that. There, and they ended up being executive producers of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV show, just because they were attached to the concept from the start. But they okay. never had anything to do with the TV show. They never had like any actual. Um, like a rule in the making of it or anything like that there but their names would always come up and i recognize i recognize the the director's name actually because the name would come up in the credits and buffy but um yeah no so i'm trying to think like do you know i'm trying to think like who who who's the audience who is the audience um right i had similar thoughts because it seems to be very much one of the main themes of this film seems to be that teenagers are shit. There is not one likable person in the whole movie. Everyone, no, there's every, that. Yeah, everyone is contemptible. Vampires are shit. Grown ups are shit. Teenagers are shit. But a lot of the jokes seem to be like at the expense of teenagers. So I did have similar thoughts of like, well, who is the audience? Because if the audience is supposed to be teenagers then you know like why are you taking the piss out of how shit teenagers are yeah yeah yeah. and if the audience is adults then why is the audience adults because this is not it doesn't feel like a film for grown-ups at all is the audience small children 
Well, this is again something I, I thought was that despite being more adult than Buffy the Vampire Slayer in terms of like, you know, the language they use and stuff like that, like it's more like they swear in it and stuff like that there. Oh, do, do you know? they? I never, you know, I never even clocked it. I don't even, yeah. don't even hear swear words. Yeah. So that, that makes it a little bit more adult in the sense, like it's more like a teen sex comedy, do you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a sense. But despite being more adult, there's than doing the little quotation things with my fingers. Um, it's much more childish. It's whereas, really childish, yeah. Whereas despite being more family friendly, Buffy is like way, way, way more yeah. adult in themes. Yeah, so much like, yeah, there's just some moments in this film of like slapstick of the level of like, like it's like a Looney Tunes It's like Looney Tunes. A yeah. lot of the time. Yeah. So we meet Buffy in the past, right? It opens with like a... With like a a um a flashback to medieval times. Yes, yes. And I have to say, I was a bit excited by this. Mm-hmm. I thought, I thought, okay, I can get on board with this. This is mm-hmm. this could this could be fun. Um, and then uh, whatever happens, it's like cheerleaders with a really really long really long cheerleading. Uh, scene. <laughs> it's really long. It goes on for a really, really long time, and then Buffy the Vampire Slayer comes up in pink writing, uh, because you know the whole thing is like she's Buffy, she's a girl, she's a cheerleader, but she'll kick your ass, you know. Um, and the language, I think the language was the first thing that got me. Was the remember we talked about how in Buffy the Vamp, like in the first episode of Buffy you heard a little bit of kind of California slang, like nay, pause, mm. whatever. Whereas in this, everything is just like heinous, up to lush, what's the sitch? What's the stitch? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. Every every line in it is like really, really like wacky Californian teen lingo. In a way that doesn't feel loving. Like it doesn't no. feel loving. It feels like it's, it feels like it's taking the piss a lot. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she's still five minutes ago. That was another one. Uh, so yeah, this is a movie that was like out of date before it even hit the screens, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. Do you know? And it, and yeah. it really exists at that very awkward point of the 80s transitioning into the 90s. <laughs> it does. It in terms does. of aesthetic and stuff. It does. And it's like, I found it really interesting to watch because you can see that it's the larval stage of Buffy the Vampire's Lair. Yeah. And you don't often get to see that with like things that have become cult classics. You don't often get to see like the first like dodgy read through of the script with all the wrong people yeah and, but yeah so it's completely different cast so none of the same actors are in it all of the actors are just a little bit wrong when you hold them up next to the people who became the buffy people and yeah. i think it, it shows i think it shows as well how important the casting is in buffy yes. the real buffy the tv series because like this Although the script is different from real Buffy, mm-hmm. it's not as different as the film is, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think... Like, you that... can see the points of comparison. In terms of, like, the plot, things like that, you, you can kind of see the points of yeah, yeah. comparison with the TV series. But it's a completely... And it, I think one of the reasons it's such a completely different experience watching that film is that the casting for the TV series was perfect mm-hmm. and is just not for the film. 
And I think of all kind of weeks to really draw attention to that, this is like a really good time to just drive that home. That like Buffy the Vampire Slayer is is not just Joss Whedon. It, it is, is like not just Joss Whedon. All of these all of these actors, what they brought to the role, you really, really appreciate it by watching watching this film. Absolutely. You know? Yeah, because Joss Whedon was one of the writers for this film. So mm-hmm. like you know, like his idea, his vision is without this this film is like Joss Whedon's vision without the actors. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I still I think I still think it, I still think it's not his vision. I think he would say. Well, no, I mean, yeah, but yeah. but yeah, no, like, and I think I think yeah, just seeing again how how warm, how likable, how yeah yeah how much you're drawn into the world of them. when you strip away Sarah Michelle Gellar and Charisma Carpenter and all of those people who brought brought themselves to the roles yeah then. And yeah, okay, it's not entirely what Joss Whedon wanted this film, but but yeah, but I mean, it's it's it's, it's made it's made it has to be a strong team. It need you need a really strong team. You need lots yeah. of people who know what they're doing. Do you know? I feel like you can see in this film. I guess you know maybe they needed to make this in order to work out these these things that became really important in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like. Buffy needs to be likable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's quite important. Giles needs to not be a fucking terrifying creep. Yeah. <laughs> um, the the thing about like I just keep thinking, how did it get made? How did it get made? How did it get made? I just kept saying that over and over, like, how did this get made? But then I kept saying, how did this get remade? Like, whenever, mm, like. Like whenever True. the movie is this bad, and I'm sorry to everyone who's in it, but it is. It's really um, bad, yeah. And you know, I mean, there's like a camp value to the film, but yeah. but it didn't feel super knowingly camp. Like you know, <laughs> it felt like camp just because that period now is a very like that kind of like Calabunga period is 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 red as camp now. Um, how did people give them another chance? This is something I'm really interested yeah. in. And that is, I mean, the only thing I can think of is that, like, Joss Whedon is, like, a third-generation uh, TV writer or something. Do you know? Mm. Like, his family have all been involved in the business. And right. who, who else would get a second chance yeah, at something like man. this? Do you know? I yeah. really, I really, like, you know, there has to be, there has to be some contacts there and stuff. Yeah, or, totally. Or Dolly Parton just really believed in it. <sighs> You know? Wait, Dolly Parton? Oh, do you not know this? No. It was produced by Sand Dollar Entertainment. That's her imprint. Buffy, oh, Dolly what? Parton, Dolly Parton brought us Buffy. How do you not know this? Wait, Buffy the film or the TV series? Both, really? Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh my god, I did not know that. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, as if up. I could love her. Like, didn't think I could love her more, but I do. So I mean, that's that's part of the answer to the question: How did this get made? Part of that answer is Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. And you know what? Who am I to question her wisdom? <laughs> exactly. Who are we? <laughs> exactly. I um, never would. But like, no, I, I mean, I, I, you're absolutely right. Like, who else would get another chance? But also, I looked it up last night and this film did make a good bit of money. Like, it, it was critically panned, but it wasn't a box office flop. I think what is counted as a good bit of money is a certain amount i think this didn't it didn't tank you know mm-hmm. like it it made like two or three times its budget but yeah. that's that's not necessarily what people want films to make okay you know? okay they, right, i think yeah. they want them to make more than that but but <laughs> it didn't tank you're right and i'm i was surprised at that 
Now, um, they did more than break even. So, so yeah, maybe I think we're just going to end up keep going into very specific things and then going back into very general yeah. kind of things. But uh, first thing is Buffy is uh, proto Cordelia. Yeah, yeah, totally. Do you know? Um, and she's part of like the, the it's like Buffy and the Cordettes. Hilary Swank, teenage Hilary Swank, is yeah. one of the Cordettes. Um, and that actually does get fed into the TV show because I don't know if you remember, she mentions it a few different times, but the sense is that Buffy was actually popular before she was the Slayer. She was she was the May Queen at her school or whatever, mm. right? Remember? Um, and uh, you know the whole thing about her like burning down a gym? Yes, yeah, so John looked this up, actually. He was Googling furiously. We watched it together. I'm sure he was furious, yeah. He was furious, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, that, at the end, he said, like, that's an hour and a half of my life I will never get back. And I was like, well, you could have watched all the good Buffy with me. Like, you chose to join in at this point. Um, but yeah, he was looking it up. And, uh, that was the same experience with Jamie. He doesn't really know how to hate watch. He just hates. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there yeah, was one point yeah. when someone said, like, oh god what was it someone said like someone said Buffy that's not a real name and then Jamie just shouted neither is Joss (laughs) (laughs) what is Joss short for Jocelyn is it no Joss Joshua Joss Joss Joshua Joshua No offense to any Josses. No, no. Apart from the is, one, apart from the one Joss who we don't mind offending. It's as much a real name as Buffy is a real name. Mm. Buffy means Elizabeth. I know. It's, it's yeah. crazy. Not, not, not Queen weird, Buffy. Totally, totally normal. No, Buffy's a beautiful name. Yes, I like the name Buffy. I'd call well. my daughter Buffy. Yeah. <laughs> I plan. I'm, I may I well. To... <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but, but, but yeah, uh, John looked it up. Oh, yeah, sorry. Totally lost my train of thought. Um, I was thinking about all of the dogs that I could name Buffy. <laughs> um, Here, I'm going to make a, I'm gonna make a confession. Do it. My second dog was called Amber after uh, Amber Benson, who plays Tara. Oh, of course. Yeah. So, of course. again, Amber also being incredibly courageous this week. And I feel very proud to have named my dog after her. Oh, <laughs> go Amber. Shout yeah. out to Amber if you're listening. Yeah. And Amber up there in dog heaven as well. Of course, little Amber. But yeah, sorry, John was going to I keep derailing you. It's, it's not your fault. <laughs> oh, so the, yeah, the, the, the original ending of the film, which I guess was written by Joss, was that Buffy burns down the gym. Mm-hmm. Which then, I guess, takes us into the TV series. So we are supposed to kind of think that this is pre... Like, we can kind of retrofit it as a sort of a spiritual prequel to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And she also mentions that she went to Hemery High as well at some point. Uh, And and the school she goes to, I noticed it was Hemery High School in in LA Mm -hmm. or whatever. So, so, so yeah... um, that's interesting trying to like will myself to sort of disassociate from the actual like material facts of the film and just take the themes and the sort of characterizations mm. and and be like okay so this is what happened before she got to Sunnydale you know like really suspend suspend my disbelief about that um which really got broken whenever I saw uh Joyce 
Yes. <laughs> that is not Joyce. <laughs> that was not Joyce. Absolutely not. Who's played by someone called maybe Candy Clark? Because it was like Candy Clark as Buffy's mom or something like that. Yeah, I, I think her name comes up first in the credits, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, like she was maybe the most famous person to be attached to it. Was she? Yeah, but I don't know I don't know why she was famous. Maybe she was in a TV show or something, I don't know. Because um, the guy who plays Merrick, Donald Sutherland, Oh, well, yeah, no, he was, uh, he was probably more famous, to be fair, Donald Sutherland. Mm. There's a lot of people. Rooker Hauer is in it? Who's that? Um, Bla- you know Blade Runner, the original one? Right, yes, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. He, with the guy's like tears in the rain. That's that's yeah, him. Yeah. That's who the this version of the master is. Who I can't they remember had his name. Heavy hitters, then. Yeah, no. Like I was like thinking, like, and then they've got loads of like. So, um, Luke Perry. By the way, can I just say thank God for Luke Perry in this film? Which one's he? He's um Pike. Oh, okay, yeah, sexy boy. Because he's like he's like one thing in this film that I'm like, okay, when he turns up, I'm happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, thank God for that. Uh, Luke Perry. I think Luke Perry was probably he. He was already in nine hundred two one zero. So I think okay. he was. He was a. He was a known quantity. Mm. Donald Sutherland, obviously. Mm-hmm. Teen Hilary Swank. That must be one of her first roles. Yeah. She was such a little baby. Mm. Um, did you spot Ben Affleck? When was Ben Affleck in it? So you know when the vampire turns up to the basketball game. Uh huh. And then he like. He like goes that he's going to take the ball off this basketball player, and the basketball player just goes, "Ugh!" and like throws the ball down because he's so disgusted in his face. That's Ben Affleck, and I think he's not even—he doesn't even have a name. It might not even be credited. Wow! Yeah, I feel kind of bad at this point that we slagged off the casting for this because, uh, well, do I? They're quite famous. They're just not. not, I I actually think Hilary Swank is genuinely good in it. I, I I think Hilary Swank is probably the best. The best actor in this movie, and and I had a dream. So like the night I went to bed after this, um, I had this like really stressful dream, where I was going to I was going to an airport, and I had like you know I had like my hand luggage and my real luggage, but I couldn't you know in a dream you can't keep track of where everything is. You can barely do it in real life. So I was like, okay, I need my wallet, I need my phone, I need my passport, I need my boarding pass, I need my keys, I need my mask, I need my hand gel, I need like all this kind of stuff. And I was like, where is everything? Where is everything? And then I was like going through the suitcase in the middle of the airport, like pulling clothes out and trying to find my passport and stuff and whatever. But then I got to the check-in desk and I was so stressed. It was like a really stressful dream about trying to get this flight. And I was really like, oh my God, it's Ryanair and I'm late and they're going to charge me like a hundred pounds. And when I got to the desk, the check-in lady was teenage Hilary Swank. And she was so lovely. She was so calming. She was like, no, don't worry. Like, we'll get you on the plane. Don't worry about it. And then she was like, where's your passport? And then I freaked out like, oh, my God, I don't have my passport. And then she was like, it's in that pocket there. Like, she knew what pocket my passport was in. And then then she brought me through like a little back corridor to get me to the plane because she was like, oh, no, no, you don't have time to go through security. We'll just take you directly onto the plane. What a lovely dream. Yeah. So after watching this film, I just had had a really lovely... I, I I had like really positive feelings towards Hilary Swank all day because Aww, of it. Oh, yeah. that's really nice. Yeah. Is she the one who, at the end, the head teacher person slams her against the slams wall and her gives against her some kind of severe concussion or brain damage? Yeah, to knock her out. He's like, like, 
I could just a bit of casual violence against women. That was hilarious in nineteen ninety two. For no reason. For, for no just reason. absolutely no reason. And then it's like a funny moment at the end that she's like, Oh, thank you for making me Miss America and she's like really out of it. I mean that and was they, actually that was actually fu- like she did that very well though. Yeah, it was funny. But yeah. the the, but, but, <laughs> but the implication <laughs> is that like she's been pretty badly hurt by being slapped yeah, against the world. Yeah, and it's like she's her. she's freaking out because it, it's a it's a freaking out situation. Do you know? Like, there's yeah, nothing. Is he just trying to get her to shut up? Yeah, he was just like, ah. Um, wow, man. It was okay. We're going to the end there, but but I know. Yeah, Joyce. So back. Joyce is not Joyce. Joyce is not Joyce. Joyce is really, really not Joyce, and really that ups- not Joyce. that upset me in a way. And I actually think that um, that you know, if Buffy had Joyce as we know her as Christine Sutherland, that maybe. Maybe she would have. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I just miss Joyce. I miss Joyce. <laughs> that was like one thing. I was like, everything else can be different in this, but like Joyce is Not sacred. Joyce. <laughs> I, although I have nothing against Donald Sutherland per se. He's dead I, now. He can't hear you. Oh, I shouldn't speak ill of him. Mm-hmm. But I really miss Giles. I I just found this version of Giles just wrong on so many yeah, levels yeah. like the the way he just he isn't like overtly like well no he is overtly pervy he isn't explicitly pervy but the way he just like turns up whenever she's like alone and getting changed mm, that was weird is really weird and then like you're supposed i think you're supposed to believe that they become friends but i didn't believe it oh it, just, it happens in that horribly creepy it happens in that one scene where she's like oh, come on you can make a joke it doesn't hurt and then like the music comes in so you're like oh this is the moment of like but again friends. you can see you can see how it's proto buffy you can see how they wanted to have the relationship that sarah Mag- michelle geller and anthony <laughs> sarah, head have sarah miguel scheller <laughs> <laughs> you can see how they were gunning for that. You can see how they were like, we want this nice, like, avuncular figure, and for them to have this, like, this friendship and the the relationship that did come about. You can see how they wanted that, but they just don't achieve it in any sense in this film. And instead, there's like weird flirtiness between them, but also he's kind of threatening towards her, and it's just not nice. I didn't like no, it at all. No, but you can see what they're going for you can see what they're going for and i think that probably almost sums up the, uh, quite a lot of the film you can kind of yeah. see what they're going for um so yeah i mean uh, we also have parables to the master we uh-huh. have like we have an acolyte and then we have this yeah. person who's like rising yeah 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 who's maybe called something like lethos or Losto yes. or something like that amelin one of the other I've written down Amelin is one of the other vampires. Is Amelin the the guy with the hair who loses his arm? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. He what is anyway. So basically Were it, you it, gonna it, jump forward to his death scene? Yeah, no, I was gonna jump forward to so many parts of him, but like he's just I don't understand. So the actor who played him was the actor who played like Pee Wee Herman from like Pee Wee's Big Adventure. So Okay, I've not seen Which it, is but... kind of like the American Mr. Bean. Right. Uh, except that he speaks. But, you know, he's this, like, you know, guy, like, wears a suit and he's I all, like... I could feel that he was supposed to be funny. Yeah. I could, I could feel that. I mean, I could feel it and that I knew that was what they were trying to tell me, but it wasn't what I was hearing. 
Yeah. Oh, I've got a note here, which was uh, another thing Jamie shouted at the screen, which is he says, like, because, you know, the editing of this is just like, it's like so fast at the, the same time. The editing is so weird. Like nothing happens, but n- but it moves really, really fast and everything happens at the same time. Like. And he was like, is like he said, the only way I can explain this is that absolutely everyone involved in the production of this movie was on huge amounts of cocaine the entire time, which. Uh, that is actually pretty possible like like whenever someone speaks it's just like there's no space in between like the next person responding yeah. and the next like you know there's some like you would think because it, it you know it's pretty big budget movie right you would think that just like the sound edits would be but like the edits are do you remember the scene like there's quite a lot of we, we sort of we laugh about the inexplicable moments in buffy the tv yeah. series yeah. but there's some moments in this that are truly inexplicable the bit where it's Pike and Benny and um, oh, David Buffy Arquette. And we her forgot Cordettes. about him as well. Yeah, Who? David Arquette was was plays oh, Benny. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't know, but um, I the two of them are like me. I don't I don't know the names or faces of actors, <laughs> <laughs> but, but they um yeah. So they're like meeting in the diner, and um, Buffy cuts the guy's hot dog in two, and it's funny because it's a bit like a penis, right? And she yes. cuts it in two. But like, inexplicably, it happens off screen. Yeah. And do you know the way, Do you know the way like in films sometimes they'll they'll cut if there's something that's going to be difficult to do in the moment or difficult to show they'll cut away and then they'll have a close up of that thing. So they've obviously filmed it separately. So all you would need to do is get a close up of someone cutting a sausage with a knife, and then we as an audience would be able to follow what had happened. Yeah. They just like couldn't be fucked getting a close up of someone cutting a sausage with a knife. So instead they have like she goes to cut the sausage and then we see like them being like, Oh, she cut his sausage, but we don't <laughs> we just, it's just such an inexplicable editing choice. Yeah. I just don't know why they just were too lazy to get a close up of someone cutting a sausage. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just wild. So yeah, Pike. Pike is an interesting one because he's um Like this felt like just just to, I just wanna yeah. like, like this film was made after Alien. Yeah. Like, a good, like, what, 13 years after Alien? Like, they had the technology to show <laughs> someone cutting a sausage. <laughs> like, they could have done that. It wasn't that far in the past. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Carry on. Oh, you were going to say about Pike. No, I, I, well, I, I, Pike's interesting because he's sort of like a mix between Xander and Angel, mm. basically. Or maybe Spike, I don't know, because his name's quite similar. But, mm. you know, he's got this sort of, like, wacky uh, burnout thing that Xander yes. is supposed to have. But then he's also, like, the sort of, like, leather jacket wearing love interest. Yes. Which reminds me of two things. Because, the you know, we we just had the, um, uh, the finale of Series 1 out last week. And um, in that the very iconic Buffy outfit from it is Buffy wearing the leather jacket over her prom dress, over her white prom dress, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which you also see in this film because at the end, Pike gives her the leather jacket and he puts it over the prom dress. So they even have like, you know, certain things that I'm like, do you know that? I imagine that's probably a Joss Whedon thing as well where he was like, okay, that's like, this is, this sums up what Buffy is. You know, she's a girl, she's mm-hmm. a teenage girl, but she's a badass, you know, so 
mm-hmm. you know, that's that's that there as well too. But the other thing was, you know, when you're asking like, who is Xander in the school? Because he just walks up to a guy and goes like, "Hey, I need this bench." Yeah, and kicks him off. Buffy does that in the film. They they turn up to this um that's right. bench and it's just, they're just like. Oh, was someone sitting here? Like, I can't remember what they say, but basically, you just scare them off the bench. So, um, is this something that happened to Joss that really stayed with him? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> or maybe this is how he asks for a bench. Maybe it's just the normal. Maybe this is how he thinks people get benches. I'd, I'd believe that. <laughs> um, but yeah, Pike. Pike is like a little bit of a mix. He's also a little uh, Xander and Jesse. You know, in the first episodes, is a bit yes. of a Pike and Benny situation as well, too, mm-hmm. right? You're right. Um, and then obviously Donald Sutherland is like the watcher. He's like Giles, but he lacks this sexual magnetism uh, and the fatherly kind of thing at the same time. That's confusing. Um, what else is happening in this film? Was this film? made after Blade Runner this was made after Blade Runner yeah yeah quite so a while that, after Blade what's Runner what's the actor's name who was in Blade Runner Rooker Hauer did he go from doing the like tears in the rain scene in Blade Runner to doing this yes yes he did wow. yes um oh god I mean I don't even know the whole thing is such a mess that oh <laughs> Oh, and and the principal, the principal is is very principal. He's kind of principal Flutie. Yeah, I was gonna say Flutie Schneider, a bit of both. He's he's different to Flutie because Flutie is like he wants to be the one that connects with the students, but ultimately, he is still uh, feeling like he has to put his authority in, and he you know. Mm. Whereas this principal has sort of like almost totally let go of the authority <laughs> thing. Because he's like, oh, I used to do acid. It's like someone who really wants to be liked by the kids, you know. But you can yeah, also yeah, apart you can from see when that. he slams their head into a wall, and yeah, gives detention tickets to the vampires on the ground, which was another moment. It was like, oh my god. Um. Ah, <laughs> uh, so what did you think about Buffy's internal biological alert system? Wow, yeah. So she gets <laughs> she gets period pains. She gets cramps. When there are, are, are like, presumably, like, yeah, because she's like, oh, PMS is my superpower. Yeah. So her womb contracts when there are vampires close by. Because it reacts to their unnaturalness. It, yes. It's a perfectly natural reaction to the unnaturalness of vampires. I mean, there's a joke in there, but I'm kind of... I feel really lucky that I don't think I quite get it because I just I think I think it's just like quite a nineties joke and um yeah, I dunno, no one's really made fun of my period cramps. Yeah. <laughs> I feel quite fortunate. Like I can kind of I can kind of imagine where they're trying to come from in the sense that they're really, really trying to tie her superpower to her gender right yeah in a sort of empowering way or whatever but that's that that felt very like that felt like a mm, choice (laughs) yeah it was weird like i kind of wondered if it was like like if someone had just done a big brainstorming they'd got a big sheet like an a3 sheet what do we know about teenage girls exactly what do we know about teenage girls 
they're shit. PMS. They talk funny and they have period cramps. <laughs> and like they they kiss their boyfriends. They're always kissing their boyfriends. They're like they're, they're, they're all they're frivolous. They don't actually even care about anything proper. Uh-huh. And they do cheerleading. Yeah. And then let's just like make all that but like we'll do it about vampires and that'll be really funny because <laughs> yeah I really... i'm glad i'm glad buffy the tv series just took it a bit further than that yeah i really want to know where the cramps thing came from um I, honestly yeah. i think that might not be too far off yeah yeah <laughs> um oh god what else is there um how loose is your goose how loose is your goose? How funky is your chicken? And then it was like, our goose is very loose. Is that a, is that a classic uh, teenage uh, game chant? I mean, I don't know. We're going to have to ask our um, California high school correspondent, which we don't have yet. I have to say, how loose is your goose? My goose is very loose. Is a really horrifying sentence to me. Oh, it's horrible. I honestly, though, when you said that, I thought you were going to say that like goose means genitals or something. Or goose has something. Oh to, well, no, I but it kind of felt true. like that, did it not? It did a little bit, yeah. yeah. I think just all the way through, the sexuality of this film is different from the sexuality of the TV series, in a yeah. way that I didn't enjoy. Well, it was like a, it's like a teen sex comedy. Yeah. You know, basically, yeah. Yeah. But and it's also, just kind of like the sexuality is quite threatening all the way through. Yeah, it is. There's a lot of like sexual assault there's, kind of. Yeah, it's just it just feels quite malevolent. Whereas yeah. it, I mean, there's a bit of that in the TV series for sure. But mm-hmm. there's also like, you know, like lovely like Spike and Drusilla just really enjoying each other's <laughs> company and <laughs> Yeah, that positive <laughs> depiction of sexuality. Um, I've also got here blood. It's the most sucking... positive depiction we've had so far. But... Yeah, I've seen blood blood sucking fiend from beyond the grave, and I can't remember who said that, but it really stuck out to me as like um, just a, a, as a marker of 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 how this is very much not the TV show. Yeah, I, I don't know. Did you yeah. remember this? I don't remember like... where that happened. He's he's a blood sucking fiend from beyond the grave. Mm. Um, a thing from another tax bracket. Yes, that was that was something Hillary Swank says. There's to, uh, there's a whole discourse on class that is much less surface level in the TV series. Yeah, yeah. No, the TV series doesn't really deal with class other than telling us that Xander is poor from time to time. Yeah. Um, it never really grapples with class. Uh, whereas this I don't is know if I would much... say that this grapples with class. No, 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 no. <laughs> but it's, it. no. it's there. It's it, but it's it, you are supposed to be like these are very privileged. Yes. Like yeah. their 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 privilege is a part of it. It's a part of and, why they're so dislikable. And also, uh, Pike, rather than being a vampire, and that's what's forbidden. You maybe get the sense that he's a bit common. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what's forbidden. Yeah. You know, he's a thing from another tax bracket. Yeah. Uh, totally demented. Totally demented. Um. So now I'm sort of at the prom. I don't know if you've got anything before the prom. Well, there's quite a lot of inexplicable moments 
in this that are more inexplicable than anything that happens in the TV series. The whole movie is an inexplicable moment. I mean, it really is. But the one that I've really the moment that I've really highlighted is like I just like what is happening here when so this vampire his name's Gruler, I believe. Uh huh. He used to be at their school or whatever. Yes, yes, yes. So though. I don't understand how the vampires think in this film. <laughs> and it's not the same as the TV series. The vampires don't seem... It, the vampires in the TV series are like... They have their own society. They have their own motivations. They have, like, systems they're and hierarchies. They're, they're strategic. They're strategic. They kind of know what they're doing. The vampires yeah. in this... One of them just wants to join in the basketball game. And he's not they, trying to suck anyone's blood. He just wants to play basketball with them. It's just, oh, maybe that's, maybe he's the guy that says I'm a blood-sucking fiend from beyond the grave. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's chaotic, basically. Yeah. I would describe their, they, they, they seem to really just enjoy chaos. Yeah, yeah, because then there's like, when Benny becomes a vampire and he just stands outside the window trying to get in and going, I'm hungry, and you're like, okay, he wants to suck Pike's blood, but also like, he's just like, just laughing and being really chaotic. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, so this vampire, why does he want to join the basketball game? I don't know. Buffy trips him up and then he runs out. So he runs out the basketball game and he just randomly makes a scary face at a man on the phone on the way past. So there's yeah. a guy on the phone and then this vampire just runs past and goes yeah, at him yeah. and then runs away. Yeah. And that's yes, just, yes. to me, I was like, what? They wrote that down on a piece of paper and then they filmed it and they got like a whole crew of people out to film that scene. Yeah, they got a man to act as if he they was on the They got a man phone. to act as if he was on the phone. They hired somebody to be on the phone and mm. then they got all these people out and it's like, what film are we doing? What scene are we filming today? We're filming the scene where the vampire just goes at the man yeah. on the phone. And that just happened. Um, so this comes to... Uh, I'm going to go a little bit ahead before coming back. But um, so you know when <coughs> Buffy fights... What's his name? Like Amarinda or something? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Ameland? Um, um, uh, um, I did write down Amelin. Amelin. When she fights him and like every sentence that comes out of his mouth is a pop culture reference. Mm-hmm. Like... Yes. I think he says something like, bad hair day, and then he's like, what's behind door number three? And he's like, I'll get you and your little dog too. Yes. And then he says, are you feeling less than fresh? Which I didn't know, but it felt to me like maybe that was an ad for like a sanitary towel or something. Probably, less than fresh. yeah. You know? And then there was like another bit where another vampire... I think is maybe is it Benny to, to Pike is like Uncle Sam wants you, and I was I just was like I get it, they exist in the world, do you know? Like this is like this constant referencing of pop culture things. It was just it was just like it was it was unrelentingly referencing a million things, and I was like I understand we we share the same world. That's what it is, you know. But is that the joke that it's like vampires but modern? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, it's like 
we share the same references as them, I guess, you know, or, or as the people in, in the film. Um, you know, but it was it was just every single... Se- there was like a 10-minute period where everything someone said was some sort of like manic pop culture reference. It was demented. And then they've really pulled back from that in the TV series, right? Like... <sighs> well, no, they, they pop culture reference, but it's much more organic you know like it's not yeah, just like but it's not oh my medication <laughs> you know which is like the level of it in, in this film but it's not like the vampires don't seem all that engaged with popular culture in buffy as a rule no no like i mean almost like spike is like mm. interesting because he does even yeah, though yeah, his yeah. popular culture is from you know 20 30 years before mm-hmm. um but yeah uh Oh, I just wanted to go back to the, the way they were talking to each other. Uh, I had a note here that they sound like one of the Californians. Uh, do you ever watch the Californians? The uh, Saturday Night Live sketch? No. You should watch it. So it's one of the few kind of... I'm not a really big fan of Saturday Night Live, but I really like the Californians, which is sort of set up as if it's like Malibu Beach or like one of these like, um, you know, American soap operas that's among like really rich people in California somewhere, but they all talk like this. And it's like, Devin, what are you doing here? And uh, it's got Fred Armisen and Kristen Wiig and stuff, but they're really, really good because basically it's like, um, it's uh, like a satire of uh, Californian based soap operas. But the joke is that all of the big drama about, you know, like long lost twins and affairs and all that kind of stuff you get in it always devolves into really, really complicated road directions because the joke is that people in LA are obsessed with giving directions to places because, you know, LA is like a modern city, so it's like a nightmare to get around and it's all like highways and byways and whatever. So it's like, I think you should leave. I think you should take the M44 and then take a left on the third exit and then head up there and then turn around. <laughs> but um yeah like the way the way that the way that all the teenage girls talked in this made me think like i'm watching an episode of the californians <laughs> at one point one of them says get out of my facial which is something i'm going to use <laughs> i'm really glad they toned that back because they obviously they obviously thought about doing it in the tv series yeah like because there is a bit of that in the first couple episodes but not from the main characters so they obviously like toyed with like shall we do it all in this like nay pause kind of talk and then they decided not to and yeah I'm really grateful for that I mean I guess looking back at the movie they would have realised how much it dated just in the five years in those five years yeah and realised yeah maybe or might have even only been four years to be honest Um, I feel like Buffy might have started at the end of 96 or something like that I could be wrong. So, yeah, I mean, they'd be like, okay, you know what? Maybe trying to be all up to date on this is, is not a good idea. Um, uh, terrible kissing between Luke Perry and, and Kirsty Swanson, between Pike and Buffy. I was mm. I was like, that's some really, really... Even the kissing in this movie is bad, which <laughs> I was surprised at. I don't know. But it was a, the, the kiss they have at the prom is very... It's not a good kiss. <laughs> I mean, who knows what was going on behind the cameras? Like, we've talked about some of the edits that happened and some of the weird technical choices they've made. So, like, who knows what direction they were getting? Like, just the director standing behind the camera being like, Harder! Kiss her harder! Mm -hmm. Uh. 
And then the vampires turn up and they say, party time! Uh, which, yeah, again, just like, hang tight, Calabunga, I'm a vampire. Apparently the DJ at the prom is Slash. Is he? I don't know, John, John said that, he looked it up. Amazing. Like, yeah. One of the vampires is Seth Green. But really? um, you only see him for three seconds from behind. <laughs> and so, then they yeah. invited him back later. Yeah, he's what he's one of the only he's the only one that got a proper role in Buffy. Uh uh there was someone else who was in both, but their role is quite small. Aww. Um And then the whole thing with the violin. What happened there again? It's like his his violin was how he was hypnotizing her and oh yeah i completely missed all this because i actually printed off the plot from from the internet (laughs) because i was trying so hard to understand it and follow it yeah and it tells me the plot tells me as merrick dies he tells buffy to do things her own way rather than live by the rules of others and gives her one final clue remember about the music yeah and then later, so... Do, wait, is this from Wikipedia, by the way? I think probably, yeah. Because in that Wikipedia synopsis, at some point it says... Uh, what's the name of the What's the name of the master in this? Leth, Leth, Lothos. Lothos. It says, Lothos attempts to ensorcel Buffy yes. again. Yes, yes. Is, is that a real word? Apparently it's a real word. I looked it up. So, ensorcel is what a sorcerer would do to you with his sorcery. You would be ensorcelled. <laughs> so he's been ensorceling her. He's been ensorceling her. And then, but when the dance music stops, she remembers Merrick's words and defends yes. herself. So does Merrick know that Lothus has been ensorcering her, ensorceling her, ensorceling with yeah. his violin? He seems to, but he will only give Why does clues. he not just say Yeah, there's this whole thing like he can't he can't um even if he thinks she's amazing, he can't interfere. He has to let nature take its course. Which is something that I feel like they didn't really think through very well. Um, no. I suppose like they kind of, it would have like made it too easy, but no, if he's on her side he probably should just say smash his violin yeah exactly yeah um so yeah the violin thing and also, then like, she doesn't really at any point seem very hypnotized or ensorcelled no. does she well, well i mean she i don't know of, what an ensorcelled person sort of sta- looks like she just, but... just sort of stands there right um yeah but yeah no it's a bit odd um so this 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 subsequent ensorceling is happening just after she's killed al Al Amelin, um, who, or has she killed him? Because he's just going like, ah, ee, ooh, ah, ah, ah. And I thought this was like him pretending. Yeah, that he, me too. Because it's such none, a weird none scene. Of, none of the stakes actually go where people's hearts are. All no, of the stakes yeah. go in like the very center of them. So I thought he was going to be like, you missed the heart. But Yeah, so so she stakes him and instead of turning into dust like he's supposed to do... Well, none of them turn into dust I in this know, film. I know, because it's not real Buffy. But she, yeah. she stakes him and like he doesn't appear to die. He just sort of bends over and does this weird, really fake death noises. Like a sort of stage, like school play yeah. kind of death so 
yeah, I just thought he was going to be like, haha, you missed, I'm not really dead. And then you don't actually really see him die, but then it seems No, because it comes is. back to him in the credits where he's like still dying. So is it like supposed to be funny? I think it's supposed to be funny. It's not funny. It's really not funny. And and I think he was hired as a sort of a slapstick actor because he was Pee Wee Herman, right? Like his whole thing is like... But Hilary Swank is a better slapstick actor than this. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> well, I mean, it's not good, but like, yeah, she does that whole like falling down the wall when she's been punched in the head. Oh, yeah. Hilary Swank. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Of she's course. better than him. Yeah, no, she is. She is. Um, but yeah, no, that whole that whole extended death sequence was great. And then there's a bit. Is it Rooker Hire is like, I haven't finished with you, bitch. And again, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Like it's kind of funny because he said the word bitch, but it's not funny. But it's also threatening, but it's not. It's just totally inexplicable. The whole film. Like, like he says it with a sense of ceremony, like that's supposed to be like, <gasps> you know. Yes, yeah. Is it the way he delivers the line? Because yeah, like it, it feels like it's not clear if it's supposed to be shocking or funny or neither. Yeah. And I think a lot of the films like that, like it's not the comedy is so bad that it's not always clear whether it's supposed to be comedy or not. Yeah. And and now we're at the end and I feel like, you know, it, it feels a little bit like we haven't actually told the plot of this film. Um, but there's really not there's that very little much of a to plot. It. it feels, it actually felt a lot like a pilot. Yeah. Like, not necessarily a pilot for a TV show because it was too demented, but it felt like, you know, it was trying to establish too many characters. It all, it simultaneously had very little plot, but also tried to cram too much in at the same yeah, time. But it made you care about nobody. So yes. every time someone died or was killed, whether they were good or bad, you had you just did not care because you had no reason to care about these awful people. It feels a bit like they had a meeting where they got a big bit of paper and they wrote (laughs) teenage vampire slayer, wrote all the things they knew about teenage girls and then they were like, but we'll also make it a vampire, we'll make it both a vampire movie and a teen sex comedy, that's going to be really fun. And then they just took a bunch of coke and just were like, okay, the film crew comes tomorrow. And they just Uh, didn't, they didn't flesh it out any more than that. I think I think cocaine is is Dolly Parton and cocaine is basically the answer to to how did this film get made? Yeah, but at the same time, I am glad that they were able to have a wee go before making the real Buffy. Yeah. It allowed them, I think, to decide to make lots of important decisions that they might otherwise have. They, they were able to work some things out that they might otherwise have had to work out in the first couple series of Buffy. Yeah. I mean, they still had some stuff to work out in the first couple of yeah. series of Buffy, but like, they didn't need to find ways to make. They didn't need to realize that Buffy had to be likable. Yes. They didn't realize that, like, vampires need prosthetics of some kind. Oh, the teeth are terrible. In yeah, this they 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 figured that out. Um, toning down the level of perv, they clearly worked mm-hmm. out that this film was too pervy and they needed to do you know what the tagline was what was it um 
it was pert, wholesome, way lethal. Oh. Pert. Pert. And wholesome. no one in this film is wholesome. No. Like, there's, like that's the most... There's nothing wholesome about this film. No, but then there's that scene where she's like in her nightie with like a wee bow in her head. Yeah, again, oh. di- didn't another inexplicable moment. Oh. Um, yeah, no, I have to say, if this film did one thing, it made me look a lot fonder on series one of Buffy. Yeah, yeah. And it made me just feel very uh, happy for the cast of Buffy. Yes. And and what they brought to the to uh, you know just yeah what they what they brought to it made um, me incredibly grateful to Sarah Michelle, yeah, and and the whole crew. Yeah, yeah. No, this is this is definitely. I'm glad I watched it, but it yeah it it most of it's it's you know when you're like oh like what's the best thing to come out of. Maybe you don't get this because well, you could say it about maybe Glasgow if you were growing up in Edinburgh. It'd be like, oh, what the best thing to come out of Glasgow was the road to Edinburgh. Do you know? Yeah. Um, like that kind of diss. I would I mean, say like the the no, best thing. But yeah, to, Glasgow's be- better. The, yeah, Glasgow is better, but you know, there's like a t- tiny rivalry. So I would say, yeah, the best thing to come out of this film was the road to Buffy. Do you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, it's through through contrast that it. That, that we enjoy anything. <laughs> <laughs>